Welcome to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Rasick. What is going on? And welcome back to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris. Uh, we did have a week where we did not uh, we did not get to an episode, and unfortunately, that is my fault because we're right in the middle of an OA challenge. But we were not going to allow that to stop us for two weeks in a row. Uh, so we are back. I am here with my dapper co-host Chris Rasick, uh, and. I think we've got a good episode uh, this round. We're going to kind of do a grab bag, but there is this 800-pound gorilla in the room that we need to address, and we're going to do that uh, in in this show. Uh, But first, I want to talk about that new swag you've got. Uh, Looks like you've got a a pretty sweet uh, new concert T-shirt, and uh, so I'd like to hear what you've been up to uh, in between uh, the last time we chatted. Yeah, I got uh, got my brand-new Dave Matthews Band shirt on. I uh, made the the annual trip to Blossom Music Center for uh, his concert. Um, he usually makes Blossom once a year, um, and I'm there more times than I'm not. Um, <laughs> Got to be creeping up on on twenty times now. Uh, I've been saying fifteen shows for many many years, so I think it's it's time to move, jump jump five more shows ahead and, and just call it twenty or close to. So yeah, he's he's one of my all time favorites. Um, we had uh, we we got hooked up. My my buddy Joel at cleverock.com uh, is uh, I, I've I've done some reviews uh, for him uh, in the past, and and he is he has a hookup with Tim Reynolds, the guitarist, and he actually got us not backstage, but we'll call it side stage. Um, mm-hmm. There's actually on the left side if you're facing the the stage at Blossom. I don't know if you've ever been there, um, but it's a half covered, half outdoor amphitheater, right? And to the left is uh, uh, a special section where they had a friends and family lounge uh, and it's uh, open bar. Uh, you know, they had a bunch of bird dog whiskey. They had uh, Dreaming Tree Wines, which is uh, uh, Dave Matthews uh, wine uh, that he uh, sells. And then a bunch of craft beer for free. And, and you know, so free booze usually leads to good stories. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, so, so as part of this uh, special access that we had, we had access to a couple bathrooms that um, were, were available only to us. They weren't available to, to just anyone. So now, no lines at a concert for the bathroom is like that's that's a that's a high level perk right there. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't no lines. We can't we can't say that because the, my wife and I, we picked uh, we picked our apparently the song that we picked to go to the restroom was also a, a popular bathroom break for a bunch of other people. Cause there, there was a little bit of a wait. So uh, behind us, there was this, this inebriated woman and her friend. And, you know, one of those, like, she's kind of making this joke over and over again about me and my wife going into the bathroom together because they were called family restrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of those jokes where it's like, yeah, I, I, I know you're, you really got to go and you're somehow hoping to jump ahead of us or something like that. You know, it's just one of those annoying. And then she was drunk. So she kept saying the joke over and over again. So finally the door opens, 
I let my wife go first because she was getting really annoyed at the woman behind us. <laughs> and I was holding it together a little bit better. So I let her go first. And uh, so she, my wife goes in and sure enough, the, the woman makes the joke again. She goes, I, you aren't going in with her? You guys are family, right? And uh, so I tried to make a joke about having really good aim. And I asked her to pee between her legs at the same time. But, you know, my wife said no or something, you know, and I, she didn't laugh or anything. She was, you know, kind of got a little bit of sour puss going on because <laughs> she must have had to really, really have to go. So and then her friend, who's also drunk and slurring and babbling, they said something about her husband and peeing in the shower or whatever. And I'm, and I had remembered for whatever reason, like why this takes up space in my brain. Don't ask. But I remember seeing an article about it being good to pee in the shower. There's mm -hmm. actually benefits to it. Right. Um, so I said that I said, well, you know, they say it's it's good. You know, it definitely conserves water. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a, an exfoliating factor on your feet. I said, I don't know. And and uh, so the, the lady's like, right, right. It's good for you. Right. Yeah. She goes, you know, there's a reason there's a name for it. And I kind of looked at her and I said, oh, yeah. She goes, yeah. Golden shower. Oh, jeez! And, and I said, oh. oh, no, 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 no. I said, well, that's not <laughs> what that means. <laughs> and I said, and be really careful when you Google it, <laughs> when you when you decide you want to find out what it really means. So that's, oh, that's yeah. not what that is. And, yeah. And her friend's just like looking at her and she goes, what? <laughs> and then I would luckily I was saved by my wife coming out. And then, it, you know, it was now it, it's my turn. Did did your wife leave to go back to the friends and family area and uh, and just, you know, make you walk out of the bathroom alone to confront them again? Or did she wait on you and, uh, you know, deal with those ladies? Well, she waited off to the side. She, uh, you know, she stepped a good distance away uh, <laughs> from the line. So, but yeah, it was, I ended up seeing her later uh, in, in the show and, and she was not having a good time. She, I ended up seeing her in the, the patio area and it was one of those like, elbows on her knees and head in her hands you know just, oh yeah Yo, yeah the uh the international symbol for i've overdone it <laughs> yes yeah absolutely oh that's that's so that's funny i i will i'll be honest i'm a little envious that uh that you went and, and saw dave matthews i i am i'm probably not as big of a fan as you are but i am a fan uh and not just of his music but i think of him as a person uh yeah i've been I've been happy to see him in like movies and, and skits where he's, you know, willingly makes fun of himself, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And I, I think he seems like a, a good dude, uh, yeah. you know, other than just a, a great musician. So, yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. I got to, I'm going to see him again. Uh, him and Dave and Tim, they do an acoustic uh, show sometimes. And we have oh, plans awesome. to go. Yeah. Upstate New York. So uh, I'm going to make a road, road trip, overnight trip for it. Uh, and hope, hopefully it's not too far from Buffalo. So I'm, I'm hoping there are some Anchor Bar original Buffalo wings Ooh, for, nice. for lunch either that day or the day after. So yeah, yeah. that would be that would be awesome. I haven't been to I haven't been to Buffalo in a really long time. Uh, but uh, I actually even though it's a little run down, I do like that city. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not a there's not a great way for me to transition into this, but uh, we're going to go ahead and, and do it. So there is there's an 800 pound gorilla in the room and we need to address it. Uh, and, you know, it's that it's that dirty R word that nobody likes recession. Uh, 
uh, it's if you watch news at all, any flavor of news, whatever your 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 flavor of choice is, uh, that word is thrown around a lot, along with uh, you know uh, really ugly looking uh, stock charts and lots of uh, lots of graphics with arrows pointing down. Uh, you know, or crashing through floors and, and all kinds of things. And it, I don't know, the last time I checked it, it looks like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I think the I think the stock market lost like 400 points or something today. Uh, and this is a, a Friday when we're recording this. Um, you know, so it wasn't great today. I think, I don't think that they've officially called it a bear market yet, but every day they're like, oh, well, you know, one more day and this will officially be a bear market or you know, I don't know, whatever the pundits say. Uh, and if you happen to have any money in crypto, which I will admit that I do, uh, but I am not a crypto genius. Uh, I was not a crypto genius on the way up. I definitely am not a crypto genius while it's on its way down, but that is absolutely cratering. Uh, and everyone everyone is worried. Uh, you know, the, the reports that they do on, are from business owners, uh, those are going into negative territory. Uh, consumer sentiment is going into negative territory. And, uh, you know, everyone thinks that we are probably going to go into a recession. We've seen just this week, um, the Fed raised interest rates by 75 basis points. They expect another 75 basis points in July. Uh, you know, and so money's going to get a little bit tighter may not be able to get as much credit as you used to. It's going to be more expensive to buy things like a house or a car or whatever else you might want to buy. Uh, and the reason behind this, the reason they do this to the money, if you don't know already, uh, and I'm going to give you a very unscholarly uh, education on this because I'm, I'm definitely no genius when it comes to the market or economics. Uh, but essentially, they want to slow down money because that will slow down uh, buying, it will slow down you know, the economy, and then hopefully we see inflation start trending downward a little bit or at least flattening off uh, because inflation is also one of those things that's been, I mean, at 40-year highs and, and things like that over the past couple of months. So a lot of economic indicators don't look great. Uh, and of course, the question that I'm starting to see more and more often because we are, you know, we're Amazon sellers, we're entrepreneurs, we're business owners. Uh, so, of course, our sentiment starts going the same direction as uh, other business owners, other consumers. And we start to say, oh, well, what if, you know, what if this happens? Uh, and that's just a, it's a really easy way to put yourself in a bad mood. Uh, so let's talk about what a recession uh, might mean for the Amazon seller, uh, what it might mean for your pocketbook as a seller, what it might mean for your sales. Uh, I actually think there are some silver linings. I think there are silver linings for uh, deals and opportunities and uh, competition. And so I kind of want to dive into all of those topics a little bit. Uh, and then I've got some factoids from prior recessions and things like that that I think are pretty interesting that you don't hear on the news. Uh, and I think they're actually a good thing. So, Chris, what's what's your take? I'm curious what you think about, you know, what you've read, what you've heard, what you've been through. I mean, you and I have been through a 
few cycles in our lifetimes. You know, this is, I actually, actually like what Elon Musk called uh, a recession. And it's, you know, not, not the nicest term, but he called it an economic enema. You know, cleans out uh, a lot of uh, the, the garbage businesses, the over levered businesses, things like that. Uh, but we'll get into more of that here in a little bit. But I want, I want your take. What do you think? From my experience, these economic downturns uh, are worse in headlines than they are in reality. Mm -hmm. um, that's in, in fact, my my personal experience, uh, some of my best personal uh, like professional achievements have come at the expense of, you know, the, the general economy and, and, you know, any any shred of positivity in, the, in economic news. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was uh, I was writing. I spent 10, 12 years as a, a loan officer writing mortgages uh, prior to the foreclosure crisis. Um, it wasn't my fault, I promise. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I didn't sell those those adjustable rate mortgages that, that everybody uh, was was hurt by. But, uh, well, you know, we'll and then it, it, so we'll, we'll get you in at two percent. But in five years. <laughs> You know, it's like 18. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that first adjustment, 5% cap. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a bit ugly, but uh, it, I was, I, I'm, I'm not a good salesman. Like I I've had, I've been in sales for <laughs> way, way longer than I ever expected to be, but I'm really not a good salesman because if, if you can figure it out and it's not good for you, I'm not going to push you into it. You know, I just kind of, uh, I, I can't sell a type personalities. It's it's mm -hmm. I get along with the B type people, you know, and we just kind of sit and talk and go over details and figure out what's best. So, um, but, uh, you know, I was writing loans and then, you know, foreclosure crisis hit, um, you know, credit guidelines, underwriting guidelines tightened up big time as a knee jerk reaction. Uh, so less loans were getting approved, you know, so you had to churn through three times as many people and phone calls and applications just to try to make the same money. Um, and, and you get uh, pretty resentful pretty quick. Um, and it got so bad and I was commission only. So uh, it got so bad. I had to get a part-time job. Uh, ended up meeting my wife though. So uh, that was a, a positive. Silver lining. From... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but got a part-time job. And then uh, eventually I flipped into uh, subprime uh, uh, auto sales. Um, I, I was actually uh, uh, setting up appointments and ended up being a, yeah, a used car salesman. It's painful to say out loud, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, did that for a while. And that was kind of after everyone's credit went into the, the toilet. You know, there were a bunch of people that needed to reestablish credit. And, you know, it, it wasn't work that I was proud of. And, and you know, interest rates were, were ugly. But but again, being the, the salesman with a conscience, like I, I like to say I am, I, you know, if if you could figure out it wasn't a good deal, I, I wasn't going to make you sign the paperwork uh, with my my little tricks. So um, and then I flipped that into. Uh, so, so then they only did that for a few years. And then when Dodd-Frank Act was passed because of the foreclosure crisis, they they enacted up this. Uh, there's like 900 pages of, of uh, government guidelines. Uh, that mortgage servicers and, and mortgage companies had to follow and, and big banks. Um, so I ended up getting a job with a mortgage servicer, the, the mortgage servicing wing of a bank. Uh, and 
my job was compliance. So I actually had to, they hired me to help install these guidelines that the government has. So, so again, so it's all this, you know, this negativity has, has been, uh, has been good for me. So, um, I know that's not, that's not typical, but, um, but then, you know, and I've talked to enough people and I've, 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 you know, done enough applications in, in multiple financing realms. Um, and, and people think things are worse than they actually are. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of people kind of tee off on what they hear, you know, the headlines, um, instead of really looking at their own personal situation. And I think that is a parallel with how it's going to be with Amazon sellers and, and their stores. Mm -hmm. I, I agree 100%. So I, I have a similar story. In 2008, I was, I was selling insurance and I did, I did have to pivot a little bit. I was, I was really focusing on life insurance and things like that. And, uh, and that became something that was more of a, um, not a need, but more of a want in 2008. Uh, and so I, I pivoted over to things that people absolutely had to have legally. They had, had to have home insurance. They had to have auto insurance. And of course, you know, I was like, okay, well, everyone wants to save money. So let's run through as many applications as we can and, and try to save people money. And that's, you know, that's how we kept food on the table. And I too like to think that I am a salesman with a conscience. If, uh, and, uh, I, I get emails on occasion, people asking about things like the OA challenge and, and other stuff. And they're like, should I take it? And I'm like, uh, do you have money after the OA challenge to spend on inventory? And they're like, well, no, I don't. Then, and then I email them back and I'm like, then please don't take the challenge. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm selling myself right out of, you know, sales. Um, you know, but it was the right thing to do. And that, you know, leads to good things down the road. Um, and I, some of the things that I'm going to say, I think are not necessarily going to feel good. However, there are things that I think we have to think about, uh, in a capitalist system as capitalists ourselves, as entrepreneurs, uh, and we just have to realize that it's part of, uh, the ebb and flow of, of economies. And, uh, there are a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. Number one, not everyone participates in a recession. And I think we need to, to remember that. Um, there, there's, a, uh, there's a quote that I came across. A recession is when your neighbor loses their job. A depression is when you lose your job. <laughs> uh, and, and we have to realize that uh, you know, as we sell on Amazon, not everyone is going to be participating. I am going to do my very best not to participate in any uh, coming or future recessions. And I would certainly hope that anybody listening kind of has the same mindset. Um, and there's, I think there are some ways that you can do that. Number one, recessions actually bring out opportunities for people who are ready to go and scoop them up. Uh, and well, you, you actually, thank you for this, but you wrote this week's Five Things Friday. And one of the articles in there was Revlon. They are, they've filed Chapter 11. Now, that does not mean that they're going to be going under. They're just going to be reorganizing. Uh, but that's not going to be the case for every brand or every consumer product goods company or, or things like that as we maybe go through some rough economic times. Uh, there are going to be brands that are like, you know what, we've got we've to close up shop. 
we need to sell out of whatever we can as, as much as we can to uh, get whatever cash we can to you know pay the bills that are left. Uh, and that's going to be opportunity for Amazon sellers in, in two ways. Number one, hopefully you can get really cheap products to sell. Uh, and number two, what happens when the supply of something that is, you know, selling dries up? Well, if demand stays the same and supply dries up, the price goes up just naturally. Uh, so I think that will happen in more than a few cases. Uh, the other thing is, even before we were talking about recession, there are reports out that they expect over the next few years for like 50,000 retail stores to be closing. Well, I've been around long enough to see a lot of retail stores close. Uh, Sports Authority is one. Um, Shopco is another. And there have been several others that have, you know, ra well, Radio Shack was another one. Uh, there have been several. Toys R Us. Toys R Us. Thank you. That's a great one. Uh, the opportunity that has been had by Amazon sellers, especially to be able to go and grab massive amounts of inventory for pennies on the dollar uh, has been incredible. And so the only thing I can see is if you have capital available, then you're going to be primed for those kinds of opportunities. Uh, and I think that's one of the cool things about arbitrage, you know, uh, maybe a local chain, you know, can you imagine if like Meyer decided to close up shop? You know, it's, it's not something that everyone has, but in your area, you could go, you could hit everything in Ohio and everything in Michigan, uh, and be able to send that in and, and sell it on Amazon to a much larger marketplace and, and have that opportunity right. there. Uh, but I do want to, I want to go back a little bit to that. Not everyone not everyone participates in a recession. There are going to be people who are very liquid. There's going to be those people who have high paying jobs that don't go anywhere, uh, you know, or people who, you know, have a ton of stock options, companies, unicorns still exist, uh, you know, companies still go public during recessions. Uh, and those people are maybe not going to participate in an economic downturn. And those people also have money and they're going to, you know, buy products on Amazon, uh, you know, their, their partners maybe are going to be upset that they're not going to the Hamptons for the third time in a year. Uh, and instead they're going to spend a little money on, uh, you know, buying themselves something pretty. Uh, but then there's another thing that I, I heard that was really interesting. Uh, do you listen to the all in podcast? No, I don't. Okay. I've heard you mention it though. So the All In podcast is, it's a podcast of billionaires, essentially, who kind of have a round table. Uh, and it's fascinating to hear them, them talk. Uh, there's David Sachs and um, a few other guys. I don't know. David Sachs is kind of, I don't know, he's rough around the edges, so he sticks out at me all the time. Uh, but there's some, other, there's some really smart guys there. And they talked about during economic downturns, there is often uh, a change in the talent market. So right now, we kind of have this talent market, coders, software engineers, that kind of thing, where the Googles and Microsofts of the world have been just throwing money at them. 
You want $600,000 and you're just out of college? Absolutely. Can we also give you a seven-week sabbatical every year, a free lunch every day, uh, and a ping-pong table in your office? Uh, and that's how they've been getting talent. But as things change up a little bit and companies start uh, laying people off to weather a, a storm, uh, the, that talent market gets a little bit uh, gets a little bit tighter, and those people tend to start uh, putting back on their suits and going back into the office and saying, "Oh, I'm happy to work." 12 hours a day, five days a week. Uh, and I'll go ahead and skip that seven week sabbatical this year because uh, I don't really need that because it's kind of a, a, it's a fight to keep your job. You have to prove that, you know, you're worth what you're being paid. Uh, and so what we're going to see, in my opinion, is if we do see a recession, we're going to see the people who do have jobs, they're going to be working more, uh, you know, trying to show that they bring the company value and things like that, uh, which, man, that would, that would suck. Uh, I, I don't wish that on, on anybody, but uh, that's going to that's going to mean that people are going to have less time, less time to go shopping, uh, you know, less time to go out and things like that. And so what's going to happen? Well, if they do have some money, they're going to turn to online shopping for the items that they need. Uh, maybe they buy a few less items that uh, are discretionary. But there's still verticals like grocery. There's, uh, you know, people still want and need vitamins and Tylenol and uh, and all those kind of things. Uh, so I think there there will be plenty of opportunity there. Uh, and it may actually I don't think it'll be another covid, but I think it would actually be a boom for some categories on Amazon. Yeah. And, and then throw in it wasn't that long ago that we uh, were talking about the speculation of the, the beauty category as offices were opening back up and bringing people back uh, and, and less uh, there's less work from home, you know, we anticipated the numbers spiking in, in, you know, things like beauty, clothing, you know, people were going to buy up, you know, there, there might've been some weight gained while you were working from home, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so uh, new clothes, new makeup, uh, there's a whole lot of uh, new stuff if you're forced to, to go back into the office. And that was before any momentum was building towards a recession you mm -hmm. know so so once throw in the recession and and that's uh you know that that should snowball from there mm -hmm. if uh, if it comes to fruition exactly funnily enough last month uh the clothing shoes and jewelry category on amazon was the largest uh it had the largest number of asins added to the category of all the categories on amazon uh so there's definitely opportunity there uh I want to I want to back up some of the things I said with with facts. Uh, so the worst economic period in American history, the Great Depression. What do you think the unemployment rate was nationally? Uh, see, now I've I've read this and I, and I know it's not it's not as high as uh, recent numbers, I believe. Right? Not it's, to spoil it. It, it is still the highest number ever, uh, but only by a very little bit. So during the last, you know, they call it a, a recession, but during the last little economic blip that we had during COVID, uh, the unemployment rate hit about 20% or like 20.5%. Uh, and a lot of that was in the service industry. Restaurants were closing down. 
uh, people weren't traveling. So there, you know, hotels, uh, airlines, that kind of stuff. Uh, during the Great Depression, the worst economic period in, in American history, uh, the unemployment rate was 24.2% at its highest. Uh, and, and I don't think that, well, I mean, the general public doesn't look at history enough uh, to kind of see what happened, which I think is important. Uh, and so, you know, we kind of think, oh, the Great Depression, bread lines, uh, you know, kids living in the street, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't, it was that bad for some people, but there were plenty of people who were still uh, wealthy. Uh, there were plenty of people who were still employed. Uh, you know, there were plenty of people who still owned businesses. Uh, and the ones that weathered that economic storm actually came out a lot stronger on on the back end of that. I was uh, I took my family last weekend on uh, here in Winter Park nearby. We have the like the oldest running boat tour of a chain of lakes. It's been running continuously since 1938. And they and all the houses on the on these chain of lakes, they're like four million dollars and up. And a bunch of them were built uh, all the way back in the 20s. Uh, and so we stop at one house and the, the tour guide is like, so this house was actually built in right in the middle of the Great Depression uh, by the guy who owned the Packard automobile company. Uh, and now Packard ended up going on to its demise later on down the road. Uh, but someone like him had money to build a mansion in the middle of a Great Depression. There's still going to be a lot of those people uh, if we have an economic downturn coming up. Um I don't. I guess. I guess I'm curious. Where, if something happens, you know, and there is a downturn, where are you going to be looking for opportunity? What kind of things are you going to be doing? Uh, I'll definitely keep my eye on businesses um, because that that's. I don't think you can stress that point enough. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it. I think the tipping point is is closer uh, than maybe. Uh, it would be under normal circumstances, not that a, you know, a pending recession is, is a normal circumstance, but, you know, we're kind of like pandemic. We're kind of, you know, just coming out of the pandemic and then moving into this recession, you know, so it's kind of a, a you know, a double dip um, in, in negative uh, economic news. So, you know, I keep thinking about all these businesses that have trouble hiring in the first place, mm -hmm. you know? So I think, you know, there are a whole lot of businesses out there that, you know, they, they opened back up and, and, you know, the lockdown eased and, and, you know, they still had trouble because they couldn't get people to, to work, you know, and they, and they, they have staffing issues and, you know, the, the supply chain issues are well-documented. Um, so it makes me think that they're a little bit closer to the tipping point than they, they normally would be. Um, so, you know, it, it could, it could come swiftly. Uh, so I, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes peeled. Um, you know, it's, it's important to, uh, you know, if you talk to other sellers or, or, you know, if you have any kind of like, we have, a, I have a mastermind group, um, you know, I'll definitely, uh, we'll be talking about that and, and, you know, discussing things. Um, and just in general, I think it's important to, you know, anytime you can talk to your peers. Um, we actually, we didn't, you and I didn't do the podcast last week and I canceled the mastermind. So I oh, was, wow. uh, I, I was at a loss. I, I started stuttering and stammering in the bathroom mirror and, and 
reading quotes to my dogs just to, uh, <laughs> I was lost without, without you guys. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, it, you know, in the groups, you know, and, and anybody in the discord, the VIP, uh, the OA challenge VIP discord, um, you know, make sure you talk, you know, and just kind of chop it up a little bit. It, it, it's good to keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on because someone is bound to have an idea that you didn't think of or a perspective uh, that that'll change things for you and, and, you know, might make something click for you. Uh, you know, we had a, a, a local, it was just a one location um, soccer store uh, in town here that, that went under and, um, and it was just, I found it just scrolling doom scrolling Facebook one day. And uh, you know, my one, uh, one of my good friends, his, little brother is a big soccer guy. And, you know, he commented something, you know, Oh, I hate to see you go. You know, I've been buying my soccer gear for, you know, 25 years from you and, uh, you know, and, and it's, uh, you end up popping in and, and seeing what kind of liquidation sales are, are going on. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate, but, uh, like you said, it's, there's an opportunity, um, mm -hmm. and, and there's a, a real life example. So, um, so that's those sort of things. Um, I'll definitely be looking at, um, but a lot, you know, a whole lot of, uh, business as usual is what I'm going to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I, you know, you mentioned the great depression and, and, you know, the, the government cheese lines and, and, and all this stuff, but, um, you know, businesses were started, uh, you know, jobs were maintained. Um, I, I'd venture to guess that that toothpaste was still bought. Um, you know, soap was still, um, a, a commodity used in, in restrooms at the time and bathrooms. Um, you know, look at what you sell as an Amazon seller. You know, that's, it's important to keep the stuff in perspective. You know, I mean, unless your uh, store is completely $300 uh, Lego sets, that guy, you know, that seller might be in trouble. <laughs> you know, if, if what happens, if what we think happens, uh, you know, what we think is going to happen actually happens. Um, but, you know, I sell a lot of staples, you know, I, I sell a lot mm -hmm. of just regular stuff, you know, grocery, health and household, beauty and personal care, you know, those categories, um, they're, they're still a, a very big market. You know, I, I don't mm -hmm. think it's uh, going to be trimmed down too much, uh, even under a worst case scenario. Yeah, not at all. You know, I, I think about grocery, especially. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone has to eat. You know, and, and they're right. going to have to get those items from somewhere. You know, but if if you are tightening your belt a bit, uh, well, what's one place that maybe I can splurge a little bit? And, and that can be, you know, a couple of extra snacks that you might like, whatever that is. Maybe it's a sweets. Maybe you're a savory person, uh, you know, but it doesn't feel so bad to buy a couple extra boxes of Cheez-Its, uh, you know, but you can't really justify you know, buying a brand new Bluetooth, you know, headset or whatever. Uh, and you can make those old dusty ones work for, you know, another year or two while we weather this thing. Uh, you know, and what you brought up about that soccer store, I think, I think we should bear in mind uh, a few things. Number one, uh, you know, it, uh, it sucks to see a local business owner go under. Uh, but unfortunately, it's just one of those things that happens. And so if, if anybody ever feels like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm kind of I'm going in there and I'm scalping his products and I'm, you know, buying them for, you know, way under what they're worth. Uh, you're actually you're really actually doing them a favor. You know, they've they've set the price. Number one, uh, 
They need any capital that they can get out of it uh, before they close down. Uh, and so it's okay to go in and say, hey, I've got a little bit of cash. I'm willing to you know, buy up what I can. Uh, and it's, it's kind of just the nature of capitalism. Uh, it's not always the prettiest thing, uh, you know, and you can, you can still, you can still practice capitalism with a conscience, uh, but you don't have to feel bad or feel like you're taking advantage of somebody just because, uh, they've got to get out, uh, you know, from under whatever it is, uh, whatever business problem they may have. And uh, it may be of their own doing, maybe they're over levered, uh, maybe, they're just ready to retire, uh, which actually I, brings me to another point, uh, another opportunity that I kind of foresee. Not only are you know we probably headed into a recession, but do you know how many people, baby boomers especially, retire every day? I do not. Uh, well, I don't know either, but I can tell you how many retire that own a business. 10,000. 10,000 baby boomers retire every single day who own some sort of small business. Wow. Uh, you want to know what percentage of those baby boomers that retire have a family member or a, a child who wants to take over their business? Uh, that, that would be a low number. I do not know what it is. It is between 17 and 19%. <laughs> wow. So because and I, and I get it, you know, my son does not want to sell stuff on Amazon or, uh, you know, build software. Uh, my son wants to play video games on YouTube and Twitch. And that's how he that's how he plans on making money uh, as an adult. <laughs> uh, he's probably got a rude awakening coming. Uh, and, I'll, you know, I'll be there to say I told you so. Uh, but but I'll do it nicely. Uh, right. You know, but we're going to see these kind of opportunities that are. It's not necessarily because of a recession. It's just because people are ready to retire. They've worked into their 60s or 70s. Uh, and not all of these are going to be service businesses. Some of them are going to be uh, the ace hardwares in your town. Some of them are going to be the, uh, you know, the local sports shop, uh, you know, the local toy store, uh, all those kind of things that, you know, there will be opportunity to pick up that kind of inventory. Or another thing, I mean, I like to think that we're not just Amazon sellers here. We're also, we're, we're entrepreneurs. We, we want to be business owners and I, I like diversifying, but the other opportunity there, especially if you have a little, little capital available or you're really good at creatively coming up with solutions that work for both you and another person, uh, there's going to be opportunities there to possibly pick up businesses on the cheap that you could then run or hire an operator for. Uh, and if you find some upsides in those businesses, for example, you know, maybe there's a local plumber or other service business that has never used the Internet or software. Well, there's a there's a massive opportunity. And I could give examples like, you know, the window washer who started using uh, Google My Business and has grown his his business through several territories and now hires other window washers in other states to work for him because he's leveraging, you know, the internet and software to actually be able to do things that other window washers could do, but they don't because they'd rather be out scrubbing windows than dealing with a tech stack. Uh, and so there are going to be a lot of opportunities like that as well. If you're interested in more than just Amazon, um, trying to think what else, uh, I know there are a couple other things I wanted to hit, uh, but are, 
I mean, are there any opportunities that you might be interested in if those kind of things come up? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> being able to name them is, is, is a different thing, but, uh, no, I mean, the one thing, one thing I've been waiting for both on a personal and a professional, uh, level is for this housing market to ease up. Um, mm -hmm. I still know a bunch of people in the business. So I, I, I won't call it a bubble. I won't call it, talk about popping a bubble. I don't uh, like I know, that. No, I know, I know too many realtors and, and, uh, uh, servicers to, uh, to, to call it that, but, um, the, <laughs> like the Samuel L. Jackson character, the rent is too damn high. Um, you know, homes don't appreciate this fast, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you don't have to be all that old to, to have, have been through this before, um, to know that it, it just doesn't, it doesn't go that quick. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so, so you kind of have, you have all these things coming together and, and, you know, the recession, um, it, it does have its hand in multiple industries. You know, you can definitely, definitely say that. Um, so I, plus, yeah. And I mentioned personally too, I, we're, we're trying to, to move into a, a different school district for the, the littlest munchkin, um, you know, but I've been waiting, you know, I can't, you know, everybody says it, you know, oh, it's such a great time to sell your house. And, you know, I look at what the estimates are on, on our house. We've been here 10 years and, and um, yeah, sure. The, you know, the numbers are great. You know, the, they're, they're mind boggling, you know, to, when you think about what we bought it for 10 years ago, but guess what? We would have to buy in the same market. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not like rent has, has dropped, you know, and we could just kind of, you know, find a place to, to lay low for a while. And while we count lay on stacks of cash from all the equity that we just cashed in selling this house, we, mm -hmm. we have to buy, we have to find someplace else to live. You know, that's, uh, you know, the, the seller's market's a little bit easier said than done. You know, if you're not really thinking about the, the whole picture all the way around. So that, uh, so from a, from my, my wallet's perspective, I would love to see home values, uh, ease up a little bit. Um, and then, you know, professionally, um, you know, being in, you know, the mortgage industry, you know, I just, I, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of warm phone calls, you know, people that I knew and, and, and did business with, uh, you know, related to the housing industry. So I'd, I'd love to be able to flip some homes, you know, I'd, I'd love, mm -hmm. uh, um, and I'm not, uh, you know, I know there's more to it than HGTV or, or whatever, but, uh, um, I'm a little bit more dangerous than, uh, you know, somebody just, uh off the street, you know, watching one of those shows. So I, I, I'd love to do, it. I think that would be, I think it'd be fun. Number one. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, uh, it, it sure seems like a great opportunity if uh, you know, if you play it the right way. Yeah, I agree. I think that'd be, I think it'd be a lot of fun to, uh, to flip a house. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been, my wife's wanted a, a house uh, for a long time. Uh, we moved down here. We we leased because uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to stay here. And and I just I've always had this kind of feeling I'm like, you know, we kind of need to wait because uh, I just saw those. I saw the prices continue going up and to the right. And I was like, it, it can't continue like this. And so I'm patiently waiting uh, you know, to be able to find a place for ourselves as well. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about uh even if you don't take advantage of all the opportunity, I think that will be out there during a recession. There are there are some things that you can do 
to kind of come out the other side uh, that other people may not think about. But one of the biggest things, and if you look at businesses through other recessions, other depressions, things like that, number one, uh, lots of really great businesses with staying power were started in the middle of economic downturns. Uh, I guess maybe one of the biggest and most famous and longest running would be General Electric. That one was started in the middle of the depression uh, and it's still running now. Uh, you know, there are uh, a few others. I think Microsoft was another one. Uh, Google started right before the, uh, the tech bubble popped back in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, but now the, some of those are some of the biggest companies in the world. And so uh, one of the things I think you can do to stay ahead of other people is actually just to stay in the game. Like whatever it, whatever it takes to scratch and claw your way to uh, keep your business afloat, uh, you will, you'll see a couple of things on the other side when, uh, you know, when there is light at the end of that tunnel. Uh, and number one, you're probably going to see less competition. Uh, every, every business, no matter what vertical you're in, restaurant business, hotel business, uh, Amazon business, there a lot more businesses start and then shut down uh, just because that's the nature of that's the nature of the game. Uh, it's a hard game to play. Not everyone is able to win, uh, whether it's, you know, they just don't have what it takes to have a business or maybe they're dispassionate about it. Uh, or, you know, maybe they just haven't made good decisions. Uh, and so what happens when we go into an economic downturn is the people who made bad decisions or over leverage themselves or, uh, you know, whatever other business blunder you can make, they're going to end up not making it through. And then that's going to clear the field out a little bit. Uh, and if you can continue on, even if it's, even if your business is a little bit smaller than it was before, well, you're going to be primed when the numbers do start going up and to the right in the stock market and, and everything like that. You're going to be primed to take advantage of people getting out and spending more and, uh, and making more money and things like that. Uh, so, I mean, if nothing else out of this conversation, uh, you know, make sure to keep going, uh, you know, keep your business afloat. Because that in itself is is a huge factor in coming out the other side smelling like roses, in my opinion. Absolutely. You know, we, we talked about the same thing, uh, you know, when I was in the when I was writing loans, you know, and, and when things got harder, you know, the, the things that that my manager would say is, you know, the people who can make it through this, you know, whether it be a, whether you're a loan officer or a realtor or whatever, you know, it, it's going to thin the herd. You know, and, and, and the people who were able to stick with it and, and uh, make it through, you know, they, they had a, a bigger piece of the pie when it was all said and done. And that's that's true for multiple industries. You know, I, I, you know, we had the t price tanking episode, um, you know, and, and we talked about some aggressive uh, <laughs> pricing tactics uh, that, that we've uh, that we're seeing uh, around Amazon. You know, if things get a little bit tighter, you know, a little bit harder. I, I don't think that's a strategy that um, is going to endure, for, you know, for the long term, you know, and, and uh, you know, so so if you're the ones and, and really, you know, and we've talked about sourcing, you know, we've talked about how, 
most people are going to be on the clearance aisle, but it's, you know, the more profitable stuff, the longer term profitability are in the corners of the aisles that people don't go down, you know? So if you can, if you can find those products, if you have a good sourcing strategy, um, if, if you're willing to, you know, not only scan the UPC code, but manually type it in and find products that way, you know, I, I I'm willing to bet you that you're going to be better off. Um, if you have, if you're diligent about tracking your replens and you stay on it, because I don't think most sellers are, um, you know, you're, my guess is you're going to be better off, you know, and, and if you take the time to go back over all those lead lists that you have, you know, from, from your, your entire career and go back to them and just kind of double check or have your VA double check, there's going to be opportunity there. And again, I'm willing to bet that those people are, are going to be just fine through all this. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess maybe the last thing I want to talk about is as we, as we do come into, or maybe as we are going into uh, a recession or economic downturn, we, while some people are not going to be, be able to weather the storm, there are going to be other people who are going to be looking for side hustles and ways to make a little extra cash. Uh, and Amazon of course is probably top of the list for a lot of people. You know, I, a lot of people know that, well, I can shop there. And if they do a little bit of digging, they're going to realize they could sell there too. Uh, so, and I know this is a question that you came up with, but I'm going to ask you first. Uh, so if you were, if you were just getting started, you know, on Amazon, uh, I mean, what would you do now compared to maybe what you did when you get got started originally? Uh, and I guess, what are, what are some of the biggest things that you've learned uh, that you wish you learned a little bit faster? Uh, well, I didn't expect you to turn the tables on me, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would, um, I'd be a, a little bit slower to buy certain software, uh, and, and subscriptions, mm -hmm. um, outside of probably like a core, three or four, you know, I, I mean, I started, you know, inventory labs that, that, you know, I think the interesting question is say things went bad for you and you had to cut costs, you know, the reverse order of things that you cut bait on, you know, what, what's towards the bottom of the list, you know, what's the absolute last thing that you would ever get rid of. Um, you know, and I, I think probably the majority of, uh, if we ran a poll, the majority of, uh, uh, you know, would be things like inventory labs, um, and Keepa, you know, I, I, I would guess those would be one and two. Um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of tactical arbitrage. Um, you know, that, that would be, um, I'd hang on to that for dear life as long as I could. Um, you know, but, but there are certain things, uh, you know, that you, you know, you kind of buy stuff. And I mentioned it in the, in the Chris Anderson interview, uh, you know, it seems, I think people get caught up in what they see as like a starter kit, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, because you see people like, you know, Oh, I need to go out and, and buy a Rolo, you know, if they, if they have the capital, you know, it's like, you don't need a Rolo. You know, I, I was talking to the one cashier at, at a discount store and, and, you know, I said, you can use Avery labels. You know, I think they're called 30 ups. You know, you can, you can print skews, FN skews on, on those if you need to. That's how I started out. Me too. Um, you know, it, so it's, 
you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that you can get caught up in in thinking that you need. Um, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be careful and and just get things as as I person as I know that I need them. You know, as opposed to uh, uh, seeing what somebody else is using. Um, but then at the same time, there's there's a whole other side. Of it. There are certain things that I would get immediately. Um, you know, I referenced. Uh, I think it was in the YouTube comments too that uh, you know there there are things that you, you get and you wonder why you waited so long. You know, I, I would get a repricer much faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's because manually repricing is is a task. Uh, I I don't miss one iota. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, no, I just I don't I don't even I don't even know. I mean, yeah, maybe if you have just a, a handful of ASINs that you're selling, sure. Uh, you know, but I think maybe once you get to 20, I, I don't even think, I don't even know if you can be competitive, uh, manually repricing. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you have anything that has any kind of decent rank, uh, you know, and, and especially like at first I didn't understand it. I, you know, I, I would literally, I would reprice something and I would wait for it to take effect and then I'd go check it and somebody was a penny under me. It's like, it was like it's like this Keystone Cops skit, you know. I'm like, I, I just keep going back and forth, and and you know, I was like, um, and it's just a it's a headache that I I didn't need, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and I didn't I didn't realize how easy it was to uh, uh, get rid of that headache. Um, so that's yeah, repricer is is definitely uh, um, something that I would do very quickly. Um, I get a I get set up with a prep center uh, immediately. Um, you know, we, we have somebody in our mastermind, uh, who is, is relatively new to a prep center and she, in the mastermind meetings kind of weighed the pros and cons and, and, you know, kind of mulled it over, uh, with us out loud. And, um, you know, so, so we talked to her, you know, it, it, and it's, and sure enough, she's seeing it now. It, I mean, you could basically double, double your output, mm-hmm. you know, and, Provide again, provided you have the capital, you know. But just you know, assuming you're managing your debt load properly, um, you know, you you can send, you know, almost in an instant, you could start sending in twice as much, you know, um, if you if you maintain, you know, if you're prepping stuff out of your house or whatever, personally, wherever you're at, uh, and then you add a prep center. I, I mean, it's a, it's a level of growth that that can happen so quickly and so easily, um, but it's intimidating to the new seller. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, there's a whole lot of questions and, and, you know, you see it anytime. Well, I, I think uh, when we're recording this, I think you had Chaz um, on the, the OAC. I didn't, I, I was a uh, source and so I didn't get to listen, but um, I remember the, in the very first OA challenge, you know, the, the, there's the questions that I had. Uh, it, it's funny now looking back on it, but you know, it, it, it's just such a, such a daunting thing. You know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. there's the cost involved. There's, you know, onboarding is, is you know, seems weird. And, and then you trusting someone with your inventory. You know, you have to send exactly. it off to uh, most of the time another state. You know, you never get to see it. You know, you have to take their word for it if something uh, happens in shipping or, or, you know, or items are missed. And it, it's, a, it's a relationship with a, a, a healthy amount of trust involved. Um, so there's a bunch of intimidating factors of uh, getting into a prep center, but mm-hmm. it's on my list of things that once I did it, I wondered why it took me so long <laughs> because the benefits of it far outweigh any stress uh, uh, or anxiety of the, you know, the, the fear of the unknown while you're getting ready and, or, or mulling the decision over. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks to getting into a prep center is the thing you mentioned about a lot of people see it as a, as a cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you don't necessarily weigh a couple of things. Number one, uh, especially if you're using a tax-free prep center, you don't necessarily weigh in the fact that, well, you're going to save on sales tax. Uh, and so maybe you can make the cost a wash, uh, depending on your, you know, your average cost of, of goods sold. Uh, yep. but then also the return on time invested is so huge if, if you're sourcing four hours a day and then you're prepping and shipping four hours a day, uh, but immediately I can now source for eight hours a day with zero prep work. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that you're going to be able to double your sourcing capabilities immediately, but I would imagine that over time you should be able to pretty easily. Uh, I mean, cause we both know that you know, you double the time input doesn't necessarily mean double the output, just the way people are. Uh, But you're going to save on stress and frustration. uh, And, you know, I don't know if I have to prep things from the house, which I do very rarely. uh, If I happen to see the boxes sitting in my office while I'm sourcing for more product, they're just, they're always in the corner of my eye. And I'm like, and I'm thinking about two things at once and I can't do as good of a job but I know that that is now all taken care of for me. And so I can really focus and the output ends up being higher. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's an absolutely great point. And it, it frees up bandwidth, you know, I mean, it's just, you only have, you can only make so many decisions. You know, there is such a thing as decision fatigue mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and whether that be, you know, deciding when to prep or if you're going to prep that night and, and stuff, you know, if you're bringing it in house, all that's off the table with a prep center. You know, you mentioned seeing boxes out of the corner of your eye. Um, it's funny. I uh, I had some, I, I'm in a, a a retail arbitrage groove right now. Um, I've got a real good system. Um, it, it's so good. In fact, it has far outpaced my uh, motivation to pack up boxes and ship them out. Uh, so as a result, there's crap all over my house. <laughs> right? So, and I mentioned, I've got, I've got mom. Uh, who comes over and um, uh, recession, you know, her days might be numbered if there's a recession. I don't know. We'll, we'll play it by ear. <laughs> but uh, she did laugh. I did tell her that joke. She didn't listen to, to the last episode where I joked about firing her, but I told her the joke and she laughed about it. So oh, I figured, I, I, yeah, I figured I'd head up, you know, instead of her just randomly catch me one of those, you know, Christopher, we need to talk. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, so there's sometimes there's, still the stuff she did last week sitting around when she gets there the next week. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, (laughs) it was, it was one of those weeks where I just, um, I, I I lost, lost track of my motivation and, uh, she, but I mentioned something as we were kind of chit chatting and, and I said, well, you know, no, tomorrow I'm going to go source. I got, you know, I got to go get more inventory. And, and she looked at me and she said, I don't, I don't mean to be dense, but and she's looking around at all the crap laying all over the place. She goes, "Why would you get more?" <laughs> and, and, it, and it like it was like a verbal slap in the face. It's like, uh, uh, because that's what we do. <laughs> like, but I, I didn't know how to answer, you know. But at the same time, I'm like, "How dare you speak those words out loud?" <laughs> 
No, no other Amazon seller would ask me this kind of question. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't believe you would even suggest it. it you know, it was uh, um, it was heresy. Oh, that's that's funny. I, but to the layperson, I mean, to the layperson, it makes total sense. Uh, you know, right. uh, but I think I think to every Amazon seller, they're like, oh, oh, I totally get that. Yeah, I've yeah. got I've got a you know I've got a three hundred unit shipment sitting here, but I mean these deals aren't going to buy themselves, so I got to get out there and get them. Yeah, why would you buy more, mother? You know nothing of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> Must be fed. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I I think I think a lot of what you said is uh, is really really important for people to to take home. Uh, there are. I don't know if I were getting started today, you know, if I had, I don't know, uh, maybe I was restarting my business and everything kind of went down the drain. What would I do? Uh, or I guess what would I do differently than when I started is number one, uh, I would, I would probably never scan another barcode while I'm outsourcing. Uh, I did that. I did that for a long time. Uh, and that was kind of the, that was the standard practice when I, when I got started uh, and even back then, there was, you know, there were a lot of items where UPCs were wrong. And so, of course, you scan something uh, and then it doesn't show up. And uh, then all of a sudden you're looking on Amazon and there it is. Uh, you know, so I missed out on probably tons and tons of profit that way. Uh, but that would be the biggest thing. The second, the second thing is I would never touch a clearance item ever again uh, if I were getting started. I would... Like, I know that there is still profit laying on clearance shelves right now, uh, but you got to sell it fast or sit on it. Uh, you can you can strike a lucky vein and and you know maybe even follow clearance through your state or even through multiple states. Uh, but if you're not moving things really really quickly, it's it's going to tank, especially in in today's market. It's it's just much more mature. Uh, but I would, if I were doing retail arbitrage, I would spend all my time in regular aisles and I would look at every single item and I would just type in keywords and find the, the bundles and multi-packs that made sense and probably sell on, on all of those. Uh, and I'd make sure to have Keepa and really understand it. I think that I think the people who don't understand Keepa and the people who do understand Keepa, uh, I mean, it's it's like unlocking, uh, it's like the cheat code. It's up, up, down, down, A A B B for for Amazon. Uh, you know, if you understand Keepa, because you can hedge your downside risk, uh, you can pretty much figure out what a product is going to do in the future. Um, yeah, that. that there are a couple softwares I'd make sure I'd want to have, but Keepa would be the one that, I mean, you can take Keepa out of my cold, dead hands if I can borrow a phrase from uh, from Charlton Heston. So what would you do more of that if you if you started over from scratch, knowing what you know now? I, I would spend a lot more time. I would spend more time learning on the front end than I did the last time. Uh, so I tend, I tend to be a little bit more of an action taker and I'll, and I'll, I'll learn by putting in my reps. Uh, but I wish that when I started, I wish that there was something that could have guided me a little bit to make better decisions. 
and because I mean, I had to make all the I had to make all the bad decisions. I had to buy liquidation uh, and lose money on that. Uh, I had to figure out that clearance. You know, it made some money. I, I don't say I won't say that it was a negative ROI on the clearance overall uh, while I sold that stuff, but um, it was it was not sustainable. It wasn't anything I could do long-term. I was always looking for the next thing to sell uh, and not being able to go back and say, oh, well, let me get that item again. I can't, it's been clearanced out, it's gone. Um, but the biggest thing is the education piece. Uh, if I had been able to take a course or if I had been able to find someone to mentor me, uh, you know, I did finally find Chris Green's book uh, which helped out a ton, uh, you know, but if I could have, you know, learned Keepa, I didn't start using Keepa till like two years in, uh, and I had no idea it even existed. Uh, so I would, and this is, I'm stealing this directly from Alex Hormozzi, uh, but he talks about if he were starting all over again, he would spend all of his disposable income on a, acquiring skills uh, until he until he could not acquire any more skills. Uh, and I think I would probably try to do something similar uh, while also sourcing and, and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, and then I would just, I would source like a maniac and do anything I could to outsource the prep, uh, whether it is a, a prep center or whether it was someone locally or, uh, you know, I'm sure I could talk my, you know, my wife into helping out, uh, but that would be, I think those would be the biggest keys of being able to, to start over again and, and maybe even scale up a little bit faster. That's good. Yeah. All right. We're, we're about an hour and 10 minutes in. I would imagine we probably ought to stop there uh, or we're going to, every time we do this, our episodes are going to get longer and longer and longer. <laughs> We, we have a few seconds to still make this one of our shorter episodes. So we, we maybe take exactly. advantage of that. But uh, it can't be a true, it wouldn't be a true grab bag without some random uh, pop culture reference. Uh, a little bit, I, and I wanted to get it in before, but and, and we're, it's going to be a couple weeks after. But there was a, a streaming war going on uh, a couple weeks ago where there was a Friday that both the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi had premiered on Disney plus at the same time as the debut of season four of stranger things. Oh. Are you an Obi-Wan guy, a stranger things guy, or are you a, ain't nobody got time for that guy. Unfortunately at the moment, I'm a, ain't nobody got time for that kind of guy. Um, I have admittedly, I have watched, half an episode of season four of stranger of stranger things. Uh, and I did that while I was on the exercise bike. Uh, however, I will watch both of those. I'll watch the last season of stranger things and I will watch Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, because I do like, I like both of them. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I started with Obi-Wan. Uh, okay. But, but that's only because of I, I was trying to keep myself from binging because I was afraid if I started Stranger Things, I, I think all the episodes all came out. Or, well, they no, they split it in half. I believe that's yes. how they did it. So what, what are there? Six, 
five I or six so. episodes. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So so really, so I took the shorter of the two. There was only two episodes of Obi Wan, so I knew I could watch it and then get back to work and get back to productivity. I uh, that that's a that's a good trick to play on your mind. I like that. I like that that thought process. So yeah, there, there's a couple times where you know I, I've I I just I'm no good at calling myself on my own bullshit. You know, it, it it's just there there are times like oh slow horses. I was like that with on Apple uh, Apple TV. Um, told myself ah I'll just watch one one episode a night. You know I'll have I'll have it done and you know there's six eight episodes I'll have it done in about a week. Now there was a four in the morning I'm going on ep, you know the fourth episode and you know I was like ah I'll just be a little tired tomorrow one more and I I'm just I, I'm a crackhead. I dude I totally get it. I I hate to admit this publicly uh, and I, I don't know. I almost I'm going to say this and then I'm going to wish that uh, this is our least listened to episode. Uh, <laughs> but my my wife and I have a very guilty pleasure that we share in together. Uh, and it is a little bit of um, reality television every now and again. And she stumbled across this television show called uh, Below Deck or something uh, where it's about these people who work on yachts. And so you get to watch, you know, cool boats. You get to watch rich people come and have fun. And uh, a lot of them act really weird. Uh, you know, they have these uh, strange proclivities. And uh, and then, of course, you get all the drama between all the deckhands and, and stuff like that. Uh, and we find ourselves doing the same thing. Last night, it was it was like 1230 in the morning. And my wife's like, we got to go to bed. And I'm like, babe, I'm like, there's, you know, these episodes are only 45 minutes. Let's watch one more and we'll be just fine. <laughs> And she's like, all right, let's do it. Uh, you know, but it's always a bad decision the next morning. It's like drinking too much, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I are trying to, we're, we're finally getting to the leftovers on HBO. We're way years behind, but, but we decided we wanted to have a show together. Cause we just, mm -hmm. you know, I've got my office and I usually stay here and um, not to mention, I, I can't stand 90% of the shit that she watches. So, yeah. um, uh, <laughs> So we decided we needed a show and we decided it would be the leftovers. And, uh, you know, it's funny, like it, there's this dance that we play and it's, you know, we watched the one episode and no matter what we've told each other before that what episode started, you know, most of the time it's like, Oh, let's just get one in tonight, you know? And, but there's never less than two episodes in a row. It, it's funny. It's like the old stereotype of the, the stereotypical wife, trying to avoid having sex with her husband is that, you know, it's like, she, you know, she'll come in she go, Hey, leftovers. And it's like, Oh, I got a headache, honey. I, <laughs> like, Cause I just, I, I don't want to give up that, that what I know is going to be two hours. You know, it's like, there's something I, I probably procrastinated something. I need to get some work done or something, you know, but, uh, but it's funny. It's, there's this whole, uh, whole dance. Like it's, we're back in the sixties the or seventies or something. That's crazy. It, it's so addictive. I, I got it. Well, I mean, whatever. I'm just I'm going to give into it tonight and I'm going to go binge watch something uh, before I go to bed. But, uh, you know, it wasn't it. Uh, thanks to you. I bought a, a calendar of wisdom, uh, the Tolstoy oh, nice. book. And yeah. uh, it, it was only within the last couple of weeks where he had a, a, a good quote that I have taken and absolutely abused. Um, you know, and it said, uh uh, you know, at some point the work has to end and usually the work ends with a reward of enjoying yourself. And it was kind of a reminder to, uh, you know, not not be all work and make sure you, you enjoy the fruits of your labor, so to speak. Um, yeah. 
and boy, I've taken that and run with it. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, well, let's let's end the show this week with uh, with a quote of the week. And I thought since we talked about recessions and, and a whole bunch of you know things that aren't necessarily the happiest, uh, we would go to good old Uncle Warren Buffett uh, and and talk about one of his uh, famous quotes. And uh, his one of his most famous quotes, in, in my opinion, is be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. Uh, and I think there's. There's a lot of wisdom to that. It's it's what Uncle Warren has done his entire career, and you know he's one of the top five wealthiest people in the world. And uh, even right now, he's he's doing the exact same thing. You'll notice that uh, Berkshire Hathaway has a ton of cash uh, ready to deploy that they're sitting on uh, when he's ready to, or you know, and uh, and so hopefully. We can take a little bit of, of wisdom out of out of his playbook and uh, crush it during a uh, a recession. It's such great contrarian advice, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and then you roll the stat in. I think I think they said uh, oh, from, since two thousand two uh, to today, uh, you know, people who try to time the market. If you had missed the first day, the the, the first ten days of a positive gain in the market, you would have missed out on somewhere like 52 to 55% of the wealth generated. I mean, it's an unbelievable stat. I, I, I mutilated the stat, but uh, look it up if, if you're interested. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, the percentage that, that you would have missed out on. That blows my mind. Yeah, so. that's, that's crazy. All right. That's it for us this week. We will be back next week. There won't be any uh, missing episodes from uh, from here on out, at least through the summer. Uh, but thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, hit the like button on the YouTubes. Uh, leave us a, a, uh, a review, whether you like it or not. Uh, and you know what? I think we're going to start maybe reading some... Uh, some of the reviews we have because we do have, uh, I don't know, maybe a dozen or so across different platforms, but we're going to start reading some reviews and maybe shouting out some listeners uh, in the next episode. So uh, make sure to drop yours before the next one. So Chris, thanks for being here again this week and uh, I'll talk to you next week, man. All right. Sounds great. See you later, everybody. Thanks for listening to Clear the Shelf with Chris and Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.